You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Stardom Road podcast here on the Count Out Network I am one of your hosts, as always, Scott Edwards, and joining me, as always, is Trent Brewer. Trent, how are we on this fine day? You know, I know you're heading to Japan soon, so we're getting this in before you do. Um, Don't love the immediate dating of this episode for anyone who's paying attention. but Yeah, I mean, listen, folks, this doesn't need to have a much... uh, doesn't need to have a date to it. Um, as you already saw in the description or the title, you know what we're talking about. But yeah. uh, before we get there, Trent, how are you? Look, I'm doing well. As you said, I'm about to go to Japan. I fly off tomorrow morning. So I'm excited. i uh, got to get all the, the boring, you know, important jobs out of the way like this. I kid, I kid. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. And the topic that we're talking about today is kind of relevant to that trip because it's one of the reasons I'm going over there in the first place yes yes we we here on stardom road always make everything timely of course so to <laughs> to explain to everyone we 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 tossed a couple ideas around for this episode initially we thought hmm okay we could talk about the big shows in stardom's mm. history which we kind of already have done before but we could kind of more focus on the biggest shows that they've had because this is their and i quote biggest show ever uh this is what they have called it so i'm not gonna i can say that um of course grand queendom for those who maybe are listening in the future and all star grand queendom sorry i want to be specific because you know they'll use it again yeah 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 (laughs) it'll be the cinderella grand queendom in a minute or two um but look in a couple of years time you guys might be listening to this and their biggest ever show was filling out the tokyo dome we don't know. But for mm. 2023, right now, Yokohama Arena, All-Star Grand Queendom, it's their biggest ever show. And on paper, you can understand why. And There's so many big mm. aspects to it. Another idea we tossed back and forth was, let's talk about outsiders in stardom and kind of their impact. You know, we have Mako Satamora and, and recently Prominence and stuff like that. We were going to talk about that because in a lot of ways, this is the rele- this is the current day dream slam in a lot of ways and that's those are the topics we tossed back and forth and then hameka decided to retire and that kind of made us shift this wasn't actually trent's idea i'm happy to admit this is my idea and trent was like (laughs) well i'm not gonna say no and that's pretty much how we decided so we're gonna talk about hameka today we're gonna celebrate her career she gets one episode unlike most because one she has she wasn't there for like a long mm. time but at the same time i think it's more fitting here we celebrate the incredible career of Omeka. uh we won't be able to talk about our retirement match or matches because she broke that rule quickly but we will get to talk about what she was able to do in her what was it two and a half years or so 
Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, typically, the Stardom Road goes back a bit further than 2020 being the, the furthest back date. Um, but given the topic at hand, you know, we wanted to kind of give him a, a roses, so to speak. She's only getting one episode because of the amount of time she was there. And like a lot of the wrestlers we talk about on these wrestler-specific shows, they kind of have multiple facets of their career within Stardom. We talked about Arisa Hashiki. She had two separate runs in Stardom. Himika doesn't really have that. It's just a pretty nice even flow from beginning to end, which sure. makes this particular episode pretty easy to do. We can just do one nice even flowing episode without having to cut between epi different episodes. So that's part of the reason why she's only getting one. Um, plus, you know, we have a bit planned. We weren't imagining that we'd be doing a multi-tiered episode around this time because of what else we've got in the woodworks, which you'll hear about. Um, but yeah, I wasn't going to pass up the opportunity to uh, talk about Himika. Yeah, we, we got to talk about Arisa a little while back, which of course is you know very near and dear to Scott's heart and mine as well. But yeah, I can admit Arisa is more in the Scott category. Well, it's my turn. It is. It is your turn. It. it, it you know, Himika is an interesting case because, like we said, two and a half years, but. Did a lot in two and a half years, mm. so we're gonna we're gonna talk about it all. We're gonna share some of our favorite moments. Talk about her overall career, of course, starring in Actress Girls and so on and so forth. Um, but I'm gonna let Trent actually carry this one. It's only fitting, you know. This is his, uh, as he said, this is kind of more of his episode, so it's only mm. right that I I let him take it, and I'll I'll be the one commenting and. You expect this when Jungle Kiona comes around as well. But uh, <laughs> until then, Trent, I'll, I'll let you take it away and I'll shut up. Yeah, it's it's time to put the, the jumbo-sized weight on my jumbo-sized shoulders. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Himika was only in Stardom for a couple of years, two and a half, but she essentially had a five-year career. She started in Actress Girls, um, and for a while there, she was mostly an independent worker. She was primarily an actress. She appeared in uh, Wave. She won a championship in Wave alongside Miyuki Takase. Um, but it's sort of through these formative years that she's beginning to find herself because she came from an idle background. You know, that's where she got into the business. Um, and, you know, working with actress girls kind of allows her to shine in that aspect while she's finding herself in the ring. But, of course, once you come into stardom, you can't get by just on being someone who has an idol background. You have to be able to show yourself in the ring. And I think, you know, looking at Himika's debut in stardom, which was June of 2020, the very first show back, from the initial sort of lockdown pandemic period. Um, she was on that debut show back in Chinkeeper First Ring. One of the things you can talk about instantly is the visual change she makes from her independent career to her stardom career. You know, she has the jumbo princess moniker and, you know, not to say she was overweight or anything, but she was definitely on the larger side when it comes to wrestlers and stuff. The transformation she made from there to stardom, and she credits this with the time she worked with Julia during the lockdown period, is really quite apparent. Like the moment you see her first show in stardom and look at the original photos of her with Actress Girls, it really is a massive change in appearance and just the, the impression you get seeing her. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about kind of how I felt about her makeup, you know, when she started and how she you know, came onto the scene in stardom, but, you know, her, her career is an interesting one, obviously, because mm. she kind of did follow the pathway to stardom that a lot of wrestlers have. So that, that wasn't all that unique for her, right? 
you know, she had success outside of it, like you said, you know, winning tag titles with Miyuki Takase, as we've seen on her retirement row, getting the Mm -hmm. team with her one more time. Um, But yeah, when she came into stardom and how she's leaving stardom, she's a completely different person in every single way. And that's not a bad thing. Like you said, there was she didn't need to change, but she, mm. she she transformed herself to, you know, kind of fit that middle, you know, not the main event scene, but that that spot right underneath it. That's like the little bit mid card main eventer at any moment. You mm. know, she could step up into that spot, kind of like we see with her tag partner, Hame, uh, not Hame, she is Hame, <laughs> with Micah. Um, and of course, those two we'll talk about in depth because. Those two will be synonymous with one another forever. But, uh, yeah, Hameka, what she was able to do in two and a half years in terms of improvement, just, you know, with her overall look and in ring, it, mm-hmm. it's really impressive. And I think she's kind of the perfect example of, like, how stardom can really transform a competitor. Yeah, like, you know, she came in very raw and, like, she looked to me. She looked good in that debut match she had. She came in member of Donna Del Mondo. They faced stars. It was a fun little match, kind of showcased what you were getting from this new person. If you weren't familiar with Himika, you know the 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 basics were there. She was doing okay, but just how quickly she evolved into the kind of wrestler she was. You know, she was always pretty good in terms of selling things with her face. But the physicality side of things, she picked up very quickly once she was in stardom. The general showmanship really came on board quite quickly. And it kind of had to. You know, it wasn't a sink or swim situation with her, but she was made to look very strong and very dominant from the start. She won her debut match with Donna Del Mondo. Not long after that, we had the five-star Grand Prix, and she made the finals of that. You know, she did what Utami did a year or two prior, is come in, new face, and instantly establish yourself as someone to be feared. You could do that purely on her, you know, look. She's one of the biggest wrestlers on the roster. Um, But there was a very conscious effort to bring her in straight away and make her feel like a big deal. So she had to pick up her game pretty quickly. And, you know, maybe it was a bit quicker than what her skill level caught up with. Um, because I would say it's really in that next year, 2021, where she started to truly find herself, um, the 2021 five-star Grand Prix. But you could already see what was there, and you could see why she was put in that position quite early. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about being put in a big position, it's kind of crazy, right? We're only talking about 2020 here. Mm. But it almost feels forgotten that the dominance of DDM for a two-year span was unmatchable really Mm -hmm. i compare that span for ddm to like the only thing comparable in stardom and that's literally io shirai like Mm. that's how dominant that faction was as a whole they were they were the new io shirai in a lot of ways and it's collective. yeah i mean because everyone had gold everyone won everyone had Mm. a moment right like everyone had a spot pretty much and you know ddm has won a different way since then but those first two years truly were incredible and they don't get there without the addition of Hameka. you know people remember that original five so fondly because that they really made an impact and like you said it wasn't until 2021 that Hameka really came into her own as a wrestler but for someone that got given a lot early and had to do a lot early 
You know, she did as good as she, she did it as well as she could, especially at her skill level at the time. At that time, what she was two and a half years into her career, mm -hmm. didn't yep. wrestle, you know, completely full time. It's not like she was wrestling every single weekend. Mm. Um, and I think that's a credit to what, again, kind of what we talked about earlier was what she was able to do in such a short time that we're, you know, we're talking about she got there halfway through 2020. And, you know, by the middle of 2021, a year later, she was ready to really step up. And that's what she did in that 2021 Grand Prix, like you said. Yeah. And it's interesting sort of looking at that, really the first six months from June 2020 to the end of the year, because another sort of important aspect of her time in stardom began to reveal itself. And that is the addition of friends from outside of stardom. We know from her time in Actress Girls, she got very close with uh, Natsumi Maki, who would then come into stardom again as Natsupoi, and Mina Shirakawa, who was actually the person who introduced her, you know, to the audience when she first made her debut in Actress Girls. And at the towards the end of 2020, both of those wrestlers would come into stardom. Now Natsupoi obviously came in and joined Donna Del Mondo. Mina Shirakawa came in and joined Cosmic Angels. But both of those would be such important characters to. Himika's progression over these years because, you know, if you're going to talk about wrestlers that she had rivals with, rivalries with and kind of real connections with, I think those two are probably the first two that you would think of outside of Micah in terms of just purely tag team wrestling. Yeah, I mean, talk about my Hime really is like, that's half of Himika's career a lot of in a lot mm. of ways for me because they those two and it's funny because you know i think someday we will have some like tag team specific episodes mm. and they'll probably get their own somewhere down the line because i think they deserve that that's how that's how much of an impact they had they became by the end of their run probably the best tag team in star in joshi mm. that is an impressive feat and if you look at their reign, they had a they had one title reign, and it was very short. It yeah. was not all that long. And you know, I feel like we spent pretty much ever since they lost the titles to Hamaker's retirement as when are they gonna get them back? Hmm. And unfortunately, they never did. But like I said, they proved to be one of, if not the best tag teams in stardom, in Joshi, in wrestling. And it's because of how well those two meshed on and off screen, on yeah. and off the screen, right? They became best friends. They became essentially sisters mm. in ways that only I think the very best do. And again, that's they made each other so much better. I'm someone that was hard on both of them as a fan. Like I, I've said before, like I took a while to really fully grasp. Micah and her ability, and mm. the same goes for her makeup. But whenever they were together, you just saw it. They always were each other around one another, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I mean, like with Stardom, obviously the faction system is incredibly important because that is your sisterhood. That's who you train with, you work with, basically. But even beyond the bond that you typically see with those factions, my Himmick kind of felt like something particularly special. You know, they were always together. It was always kind of the photos. Whenever you would see kind of at ringside, you know, fans taking kind of candid shots of um, the wrestlers not really 
being the center of attention. They're always sort of having a laugh or doing something together. And Mm -hmm. it felt like that close connection, which is so important, not necessarily so important for a tag team, because we've seen in the past, you can be a great tag team without being great friends, but you can recognize the special connection that they had together. Um, and I kind of feel like it probably would have been a bit of a New Day situation in WWE where they would have basically said, we'll leave if you try and break us up because that, they felt so important to each other as a duo. Yeah, I think I think you really nailed that there. I mean, like you said, you don't have to be as close as they were to be a great tag team, hmm. but it sure does help. I think that's why we're sitting here calling them the greatest. And I mean, you know, we'll get into matches later. Mm. about Hameka and her most important matches. Two of her most, like, if we were to name a top five, at least two of them are my Hime matches. Yeah. And, and honestly, a lot of them are Donna Del Mondo matches, either yeah. together or against each other. Yeah, I mean, that might be the entire list, truthfully, if you like. <laughs> it, it, depending on your preference. Mm. If you're just saying top five best Hameka matches, I think three of them at least involve Micah. Mm-hmm. And you know, one or two involve the other DDM members. <laughs> like that's that's just the truth of how well they mesh together. And you know, you and me have had many podcasts together where I've said and you said that these factions they they work so well as a unit, but when they go against each other, mm. it's another level. And you know, Hameka really got to show that. And Hameka's journey is such an interesting one, right? Because she she went from blasting onto the scene, getting big time matches, right? She faced mm-hmm. Julia for the Wonder of Stardom title. Um, and then she had the tag titles, yep. and then they lost them. And then that was it for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting how quickly kind of that immediate sort of lift up kind of gets yeah. dropped. And part of it maybe was, you know, Rossi kind of looking to other directions and the the flow of what was happening in stardom at the time. Another part of it is kind of the time she had to take off in the middle of 2021. Yeah, I think a lot of people were predicting a potential title match for Himika in the middle of 2021, but she missed about three months because of a a bad back. Um, And really, like, there was questions of whether she'd make the five-star Grand Prix. Um, and as it was, like the reports that we got were that the back was something that just had to be managed and they had to be careful with. You did see that she started relying on some of the big power moves a little bit less. The double uh, torture act that she basically made her name off of initially when she first came in, that was kind of the gimmick that drew your eyes. She stopped doing that until towards the end of her career when she started yeah. to bring it back for certain matches. Um, but yeah, you kind of noticed she had to change her style a bit, but that time away, and I think, you know, she talks about it herself in a couple of interviews, being able to sit at ringside or stand at ringside as a second during this time, watching Julia work, watching Shuri work, I think really helped her realize what steps she needed to take to get to that next level. Because yeah, she started off strong, got a very brief tag title reign, and then kind of plateaued a bit. And we both sort of mentioned that five-star Grand Prix in 2021, is when you start to see the next step and that next progression forward that a lot of people were waiting for with her. And that time sort of being able to just watch, take everything in and learn, especially because, yeah, she was still pretty new in her career, you know, only a couple of years into it and only less than a year in as a stardom wrestler. 
um, really allowed her to find what was necessary to become more than just the big wrestler, the host wrestler. Yeah, I think I think those injuries are really important to bring up because she did have a lot in that 2021 back injury was like mm. it was really concerning because I think I think some people maybe haven't experienced the life of being a Choshi fan, um, <laughs> which is you never know, right? Yeah. It could be enough. Like any injury could be enough to be like, all right, this mm. isn't worth it. And they move on. And and she had not only the back injury, she's had a knee injury before, which is more recent, of course, and we'll get mm. to that. And, you know, she had she's had a lot that she went through, but thankfully, as she said in her press conference, she's retiring healthy. Yes. Um, even though her retirement road has said otherwise, thank you, Tam, specifically. <laughs> um, but like, it, it's interesting to me because you know she did have that three month, you know, br- and really, I remember that being a weird time because she came back for a match, mm. and then she disappeared again, and then it's and then like you said, walking into that five star, it was like, is she going to be here? Is she not going to be here? Like, yeah. and she was going to play a big part because. You know, you, we t- I talk about this a lot with like New Japan too. It's like these round robin tournaments are where wrestlers find themselves mm. completely. Like it's a lot of matches, sure, it's a toll on the body, but you're able to fully figure yourself out, and that's what Hameka did in 2021. 2020 was just too soon for her to do that. Yeah, it was hey, you need to not only jump in, you're going to be in a big spot. 2021 you're not going to have as major of a spot you're going to get wins and obviously but Mm. you can work on your game it's kind of like why i think we get so excited when we see like the likes of a ruaka and hanan and folks like that get in so early because they get to craft themselves a little bit early and figure it out along the way right we watched hanan walk in this year and walk out Mm. a different wrestler um just a smoother wrestler and it starts off sometimes a little chalky too like and I think that's kind of the interesting thing with Jamaica is like you could say the 2020 tournament was a little chalky here and there. Mm. 2021 was full of absolute, in in the words of the as kids like to say, bangers. And <laughs> like she had such a great run. And I remember, and in 2021's tournament might be like 2022 was phenomenal. Mm. 2021 still may be the better overall one, and that's ridiculous to say because they were both two incredibly special tournaments but i make it a lot to do with that in 2021 yeah and look because that's the thing she came in a little bit later she kind of did what suzu suzuki did in 2022 mm-hmm. and you know i was a little bit concerned because yeah you know she's having all this time off and still wasn't ready for the very start yeah, her and takumi had like a month off before yeah. they started and you can't help but be a little bit like, okay, what are we getting? And then her first match was against Mayu Watani, which is a great litmus test. And yes, Mayu can carry a match, but you could kind of, the, the way Himika wrestles, she kind of needs to bring it and she needs to be healthy enough to bring it. And she brought it. Like you watch yeah. that match, you don't think, oh, you've missed three and a half, four months off because of a back injury. Um, it was like, oh, yeah, it's time to start the tournament. Let's go. And that might have been because they were just being extra cautious with her yeah. because of the type of injury it was. Um, and obviously, look, she said in the press conference, injuries aren't the reason she's retiring. Um, but I would, wouldn't would be surprised if the back issues that she had kind of woke her up a bit and was like, I like having a back that's not completely destroyed. Yeah. Wrestling, if I wrestle for too long, I'm going to end up with a back like that get out while I still can. 
Yeah, I mean that match with Mayu is one of my favorite Omega matches ever. Like mm. it, it really highlighted the best of Omega as a powerhouse and kind of like where she can go. And I remember that being like, that was the match that opened my eyes finally for her. It was like, oh, okay. Like, and it probably helps that she rested for so long too, so she was yeah. fresh. But that was like that's that's when the light bulb went off. I was like, okay, Hamika's got it. And she really rode that wave the rest of the way. It wasn't mm. it wasn't like a one night thing. That was a no. this is how the tournament's gonna go. And mm. you know, mo- some people, most people forget a lot of people's tournaments and their runs in that because <laughs> of what Shuri did, of course, because Shuri cool. had maybe the single greatest tournament run I've ever seen in mm. pro wrestling. But Hamika does deserve a lot of credit for that because when she came out of that, she was a completely different wrestler. Yeah, and you got to really see the fruits of that labor the following year. There was a bit of a running joke online amongst the stardom circles of basically keeping a, a running timer of how long it took for him to get a singles match. And I was part of that crew. I kept the running counter. And I you had the milk carton and everything, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a little uh, meme image and stuff that I would update on the regular. But I think that singles run really helped set her up for what would be a World of Stardom Championship match and then a admittedly last minute wonder of some championship match through 2022 but before we get there there is another championship that we need to look at and that's the artist of stardom championship which she won in october of 2022 alongside who else micah and natsupoi yeah this trio had a record tying run with the artist belts they matched cosmic angels for seven defenses before eventually dropping it in may of 2022 to oato tie but again, we get to see the connection that she has with the Donna Del Mondo crew. They change up their look. They come out with new music. They really lean heavy into the idol aspect, which, of course, Himika and Natsupoi, natural at. Micah was kind of comedic. The, judo- not the judoka was a little confused. <laughs> yes, yes. This wasn't her natural run, but the, as we've seen, the more Micah leans into the absurd side of wrestling mm-hmm. with her being associated with it, the better it is. Yeah. Um, but it was it was fun to see that different interpretation and one of the best trios teams I've seen in a long time. But on top of that, we also got to see her work as a little bit of that bully heel, which mm. we would see periodically through her career. She never leaned heavily one way or another. I think she was kind of too popular to go full heel, but yeah. not necessarily, you know, her, nat- her nature and style worked too well in that kind of role to be pure babyface. But the interactions with Natsupoi, while they were champions, I think, did a lot to develop the characters for both wrestlers. And even though it didn't necessarily eventuate into a big story beyond the sort of month or so that was going on, their difficulties together, their conflict, which started in the Goddess of Stardom Tag Tournament and essentially uh, resolved itself uh, during the latter match that they had. Um, and only really reappeared after Natsupoi betrayed the, the, the faction a year later. Um, I think was integral to not only making that championship reign interesting and feel different to a lot of artists' defences, but also did a lot for the characters for both involved. You know, if you're listening to this weeks, days, months, whatever, after we recorded this, I want to, I want to say this now. The Mahime Poi Artists of Stardom title reign made those the title. Mm. The titles. Like, the artists of stardom titles since they've won it have been 
one of, if not the best parts of stardom mm. since then. Like every single match has been must see since they've won it. It went from mm. them to the Oedo Tai trio, who obviously were fantastic. I think they will probably get a little more of the shine because it was after the fact. And, yeah. you know, they had matches with the likes of, you know, with the big Hanan coming out party and the big prominence match, stuff like that. And then, you know, we're seeing prominence be presented pretty much you know as the most dominant trio ever mm-hmm. because you know they want they walked through the triangle derby won that and they're beating every big trio now on their way but i want everyone listening to this to know it was my hime poi i think that really elevated it. the cosmic angels did a great job with them too yeah but to me it was that rivalry getting the titles onto these two mm-hmm. that then said all right this is now the titles to focus on because for those who don't know the art storm titles have never been like a major or not they're not always a major focus they took a bump there for a while truthfully like they just became an afterthought and that's part of why i say they raised them rather than the cosmic angels because even when the angels had them they were more oh this is a new faction we need titles on them rather than Hmm. they're gonna have this run that's you know um memorable it was historic but it wasn't necessarily always memorable until the end and they got that rivalry and i think that's kind of why i want to give my hime poi that credit because those three connected so well Mm. together they were all so different that it worked perfectly and again that goes to that ddm dominance that we were talking about earlier as well um and and like you said i liked that hameka got to play that heelish thing they were such an interesting trio Mm. because Natsupoi is not a heel ever at all, right? Like, even when she betrays DDM, it's like, well, she's just more of a babyface now somehow, yeah. despite everyone loving DDM, so that's weird. <laughs> and it's like, Micah's, you know, Micah, and Hameka's Hameka, but they played hmm. that so well, and it depended on the opponent, of course, but um, just the way those three worked, it's again a credit to what Hameka was able to do as a singles competitor, a tag team competitor, and a trios competitor. She was able yeah. to really have great runs in all three in just two and a half years. Yeah, and it got a chance to showcase different aspects of her character. You know, with Micah, obviously everything's all lovey dovey, they're best of friends, you know, they're putting rings on each other, they're essentially married. With my Himapoi, you've still got that, but obviously Natsupoi brings in the different dynamic. Himika's known her for longer, but they don't quite get see eye to eye quite as much. And every, everything there kind of built together made the championship reign memorable. As you say, Cosmic Angels, their run was important in getting us to this point. Mm. Um, but the first half of it was very much typical Artists of Stardom Championships circa 2017 to 2020. Where it's like, oh, yep, here's a team. We want to make one or two wrestlers look good or make a new faction look good. Here's the belts. And typically then it'd be like two months later, oh, yeah, they got to defend it. Okay, oh, we want to make these people look good. The belts would change there. They were the hot potato belts. You chuck them on a show to give a little lift. But they didn't carry a lot of real inherent value. Cosmic Angels started to get it there. But then my Hemipoi were able to really carry it to that next level, which then made the Edo Tai run important and which then made what prominence are doing possible because of the how valuable those belts were now perceived. The match I always like to point out that really showcased how big my Hemipoi made those titles was when they went against young OED 
Starlight Kid, Rock, and Rena. I remember mm. going into that match. A lot of people were like, "Ah, oh, whatever. Who cares?" And <laughs> that match was so good. It main evented Cork and Hall, and it really brought out you know Ruaka and Rena to a point that we had never seen them before. You know, Starlight Kid was already in the midst of her rise, of but that was the match that I was like, "Man, these 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 three have really elevated these titles to make every defense." matter every defense must see and as we've seen with the title since then that's only been the case but again without those three doing that and having a match like that you don't you don't get to that point it's kind of like what you know you you see with wonder stardom champions in a lot of ways Mm. like the very best wonder stardom champions can do that no matter the opponent and that's what we saw with the artist belts yeah, and I kind of like that you're able to bring up Ruaka there as well because, like, when we look at wrestlers that were impacted by Himika's short run, I think Ruaka's got to be on the short list because you can see a lot of similarities between the two. And Ruaka's kind of trying to model herself, partly on Natsuko Tora, obviously, but you can see where she's drawing from the kind of stuff that Himika oh, yeah. does. And she perceives herself as maybe the heir to the Himika crown in a lot of ways. And it's nice to see, like, it's on this Himika retirement road, Ruaka got to have that singles match with her. And it feels like every chance that they get to kind of put them together, um, mm. especially for Ruaka's level, it always feels important, always feels special. And I feel like maybe in 10 years' time when we're looking at maybe the, the finished version of Ruaka, we'll be able to see where that Himika influence has come through. Yeah, Ruaka always had an interesting connection when she went against DDM. Mm. Like, Himeka and Julia always meshed really well against her, yeah. right? Like, Ruaka would be like, fine, whatever, most matches. But it was like any time that Oedo Tai and DDM faced off and Ruaka was in that final stretch because, you know, she was getting pinned. Mm. Um, but she was really good when it was those two. I just... It's so weird that it was just always those two. She's a lot better now, obviously, and yeah. we've seen her really grow. But those were like the two that really, I think, helped her a lot. And, you know, we, we her getting that retirement road match, I think, really does play to like more so the backstage stuff that mm. we don't get to see. Cause I'm sure, you know, every faction really works together. But at the end of the day, all of Stardom works together to really, yeah. it, it's a close knit family type thing like you know i heard when uh they the triple threat happened at secure genesis like everyone was watching on the bus and was loving every mm. second of it and it's like that that's the type of stuff you love to hear and i think that plays really to what hameka and Raka did i think you're absolutely on point yeah sure there's a lot of comparisons between natsuko and Raka because they're on the same faction and all that but Raka takes a lot from hameka in the way she wrestles because natsuko doesn't do the big tossing lariats all the time and stuff yeah. like that. That's something Ruaka added to her game, and she did it by wrestling with Omega. Hmm. And seeing what it's like to be on the other end of and going, oh, I can do this to other people too, especially when she had that growth spurt. Because she was always, yeah. you know, she was never a small wrestler, but she had that growth spurt as a lot of teenagers do. And it really brought her up to a certain level where it's like you can't ignore her sort of, area of expertise is now host wrestling and being the bully so even though she's still a teenager it can be a little sort of bit of a disconnect at first to see her kind of dominating matches at times with her style but you know she's bigger than most of the roster so it makes sense for her to be pulling on those himika ties 
Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I I is gonna be the type of wrestler, I think. A lot of people are gonna miss her as she goes now, mm. right? But a lot of people are gonna miss her when she's not around. Yeah. Because of like the impact she had in those little tag matches and stuff like that. You know, we've been talking about this. We've highlighted really her trios and tag team mostly so far. We're mm. gonna get to her singles in 2022. Um, we've already kind of touched on it, but we'll get to it a little bit more. But she really was able to do all three so well, and that's not something every wrestler can do, whether it's stardom or Joshi. Stardom, you know, I'll admit a lot of their wrestlers do all three well because there's a certain expectation them. to be able to in yes. stardom. They're yes. all but she did it at the highest level, all mm. three of them, right? She never yeah. won the big singles title, like she never won the Wonder World, mm. but she had those big matches that showed she could have. Yeah, Himmick is an interesting case because obviously there was a lot of people, myself included, who saw her as a potential white belt winner or a potential red belt winner. And it is interesting hearing her talk about in her retirement how she felt like she went as far as she could go. And the impression I always got was that, you know, looking at that now and in hindsight, she didn't necessarily want the pressure and the demands of being the top singles champion. And so she modelled herself as a tag team wrestler. And she said said that in interviews as well. She's primarily a tag team wrestler who, when the singles opportunities came, she could do it. And she had great singles matches, but I think ultimately she is someone who will be remembered as being a Hoss wrestler and kind of defining that genre within stardom because a couple of years ago there was one or two wrestlers who kind of wrestled that Hoss style. In 2023, it feels like half the roster kind of draws influence from that. And, you know, you look at someone like Himika who, along with Utami, and to a lesser extent, Jungle Kiona, because she was on the way out as this was on the way in. That was kind of the revolution to bring in that more aggressive, hostile, hard-hitting, yeah. which you now see across the roster from the top to the bottom. Um, but, yeah, she definitely felt more at home as a tag wrestler. But it's nice in 2022 that she got the opportunities to prove herself in those big matches in the main event or in the semi-main event, challenging for championships and kind of, testing just what was the length that she could go to in that position yeah i mean as we as we talked about i mean she her her success outside of stardom was tag team mm. wrestling so it's uh, it was only fitting that she probably felt that you know that was where she was most comfortable when yeah. she signed and it, it showed when she was there but uh yeah i mean 2021 into 2022 that was really her coming into her own and then 2022 mm. i think was her standout year for the most part um through the turn through the multiple tournaments through her two title matches uh she exceeded all expectations and really had some of the not only best matches of her career but the best matches of that year in stardom 2022 which i think is probably their best year in terms of just maybe in-ring action overall yeah yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, like if you look at the top matches of 2022, you're not necessarily seeing Himika's name in those her singles matches on those top five or even top ten. Now, that's not an indictment on her ability as a singles wrestler. It just speaks to the quality of the 2022 stardom have because you look at the Shuri match that she had in April and then the Sai Kamatani match, which, again, was never meant to be her versus Sai. That was meant to be Sai versus Kyrie. Two days beforehand, Kyrie was had to pull out due to COVID. Himeka came in and on that kind of last-minute route, put on a fantastic match. 
Um, what were your thoughts about these two singles showcases for her? Yeah, I think I think what was interesting is like she entered both matches in a very interesting place for each champion, if that makes sense. Mm. Because at this point in the Shuri in the Shuri reign, for those who don't remember, this was around the time where people were like waiting for the Shuri rain to take off yeah. and, and be a little different. And this was like the last match before it did. Mm. But at the same time, I thought it was great, obviously, because let me, let me, let me, let me preface this. None of the Shuri matches in the early going were bad. No, they just weren't outstanding match of the mm. year contenders, stuff like that. Like, you know, what everyone we're cares looking at so her 2021 and her five star going pro. Right. And then you look at, Saya Kamatani when she challenged mm. her, and that's when we watched the reigns shift yeah. right in stardom. Saya Kamatani was walking away with wrestler of the year in stardom, champion of the year in stardom, and then Shuri flipped that switch as she mm. does, and it became a no contest almost by the time Saya did eventually have her match with Kyrie. Mm. And I think that's very interesting, but last second stepping in going against Saya Kamatani in a spot that everyone, no offense to Namika, is disappointed isn't Kyrie. Oh, cool. Like it is it was one of, if not the toughest spots to jump into that we've seen. Like last I was probably weekend. the only one genuinely excited by the prospect of Kyrie having to sit out this match because yeah. of the Himika situation. Right. But- because this was still like the 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 prime time Kyrie honeymoon phase where mm. it's like every time Kyrie shows up this is gigantic. This is the most important match of the show. Yada yada yada. Right, it was a singles figure. match, and we'd only exactly. had one of those in her return. Exactly. So for Homeka, it's like, okay, well, now I have to step into a show that is so loved and so everyone's so excited for. Mm. And she did a great job. I mean, her and Saya have such great chemistry, and Saya has a great chemistry with both her and Micah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, more her and Saya and Micah are like the real like rivals of maybe the golden generation, let alone just that. And I, mm. you know, I think we should talk a little bit about the golden generation. Absolutely. The importance of that and how Jamaica was put into that for a reason. Mm. But these two obviously have great chemistry too, because that's just how the golden generation worked. Yeah. It was Jamaica was the perfect person to fill in that day because sure you could put, you know, anyone from Mayu and, 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 pretty much anyone on the roster Mm. but but at least there's history with these two that's like you could instantly go off of that in the match and they had a great match i sitting here thinking it's like i liked the sherry one a lot i liked the saya one a lot i couldn't even tell you which one i preferred because they were both great outings yeah and i have certain matches from the rest of the year that i think Hameka had better matches against Mm -hmm. again against a golden generation wrestler Mm. Um, two of them actually which is very funny but <laughs> still like she just did such a great job in the two title matches after not having any for like 500 plus days yeah and she stepped in that spot really well and i think the Saikamatani one is of particular interest because back in 2020 those two had a random singles match wasn't for anything it was just an exhibition match basically and afterwards rossi posted on twitter that this is a match he could see being for the red belt in a few years time now obviously we didn't get to that neither of them have won the red belt 
Himmaker's leaving without the chance for it Wonder to happen. Wonder was good but, enough. <laughs> yeah, we got it for the Wonder Belt, which, as we know, is very pretty much on par for the World of Stardom Championship in a lot of ways. And you could make the argument that the White Belt suits both of these wrestlers a little bit better. Um, but you, you mentioned the Golden Generation. I think this is a good point to look at what that was exactly because can be a little confusing at times. I feel like certain wrestlers get added into it without maybe being confirmed. But Mariah the core specifically got added into it. <laughs> and Unagi Sayaka for a while was an honorary yeah. member, according to Stuart Fulton. Um, but the core five was Himika, Micah, Sayakamitani, Utami Hayashida, and Sayida. Those five were handpicked and pegged to kind of be the next step forward when it comes to stardom. And you look at, you know, uh, Utami and Sai obviously have fulfilled that to a certain extent, being you know top champions and tag champions. Himek is obviously leaving before she really becomes what she could be, but she had important runs with Maika and a, a very steady presence in that upper mid-card main event scene. Maika is continuing to grow into that eternal rival with both Utami and Sai Kamatani. And obviously maybe Sai Ida hasn't necessarily stepped into that role yet, but I think she feels an important role in kind of that underdog baby phase. Not everyone in the gone generation can kind of all be in the same spot. But whenever you see Saida work, especially with these kinds of wrestlers, you get to see why she was being put in that same sort of conversation. Yeah, as I like to remind people, not everyone can be world champion. Mm. And if you're listening to this and you're just getting into stardom or something of the sort, and you need a comparison from your wrestling fandom. Think of like the SmackDown six from way back in the yep. day, right? Like they were, they were presented as, okay, these are going to be our horses moving forward. No matter the role, they're going to step up. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have to know, like the golden generation was very, very important to start them and has been since it started because of all the loss that happened as we've detailed yep. many times on the show. Um, the they golden, all knew, golden generation grew from that loss. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, they made Rossi and Stardom were able to make a a shining moment out of a dark time. Mm. That's what they were able to do with this golden generation. And you know, the golden generation continues on. And, and like you said, there was that original five. We've had some added, some removed. Mariah's officially part of it. She was in the Golden Generation tag. So, like, we know she's part of it now. But it, it was really everyone around the same age group for the most part mm. and really getting ready to jump into that next step. And all five of them have, the original five, have had major moments in stardom. Even yeah. Saida, who, of course, mm. unfortunately was injured. So she didn't get to fully do it, but she had that future stardom title she was going to do a lot of good things with that, I'm sure. Yeah. And they, they literally changed the rules for her. Like that's how <laughs> that, that's how important I think that reign would have been. And, and bad luck happens, but you know she's someone that I I always say will step up later on mm. more so than now, and I think that's okay. Um, but anytime these golden generation wrestlers went head to head, they brought the best out of each other. Yeah. And one of my favorite Jamaican matches of all time is against Utami Hayashida in the IWGP Women's Title Tournament, mm. a, a match mm. that is very forgotten because it was just on a random Corkin, and, you know, we got the Mayu-Utami match after that at the pay-per-view that was outstanding. Mm-hmm. But this was fantastic. In a tournament where you put Mayu, Uyotani, and Momo Watanabe against one another, 
this was the standout match of the first round. And this was the standout match anytime we got these two head to head. I'm still heartbroken we didn't get the world title match between these two because yeah. that's one I really, really want, especially when Tommy was going so good as champion and Jamaica had fully come into her own in 2021. That was mm. one I really wanted. That's one like one of my true like I'm I'm really sad we never got that for a title. I'm happy we got it the way we did. Yeah, because they they were great every time. But those uh, those were outstanding. Like I said, the Saya match, and of course it wouldn't be wrong. It would be wrong if we didn't all come back to Micah in the end. You know, Jamaica, it always Micah. comes back to Micah, the, the the wife or the husband to him. I'm not sure what sort of connection there they officially have, but of course, October first, uh, 2022, five star Grand Prix final night. These two wrestle for the first time ever against each other, go to a draw, and later that night they are crowned best block match um, from the tournament for their block. And you wouldn't find a lot of people arguing with that. And I think the perfect visual coming out of this was the two of them skipping down to the ring hand in hand. You w- you wouldn't think they got knocked out of a major tournament that night. They were no. just so happy to have won that award together. No, that was a big match that a lot of people had circled because it was the mm-hmm. first time they got to face off. And, of course, for many of us, we were hoping it was one of the many they would get to face off. Of course, One we'll of get two, one. at least. We'll get one more, the the official retirement match, but not really, um, <laughs> at All-Star uh, Grand Queendom, which you'll get to see live, of course. And mm-hmm. it's funny, right? We're, ta- we're sitting here talking about All-Star Grand Queendom, and it's like, that was the first match announced. Yes. Nothing else was announced. That was mm-hmm. the first match announced. And to, to kind of break us into what the retirement road has been for Jamaica, they've given her the red carpet pretty much of retirement. I think that's really important. Like how important she was in two and a half years. Hmm. Not everyone gets the retirement road. Most wrestlers don't even get a road. Yeah. They'll get one, two matches tops. Right. Or they just have to retire because Hmm. of other reasons. The only comparison I can make for Hameka's road is the Kagetsu retirement. Yeah. road and i think that you know for many the kagetsu retirement roads like the shining star of retirements like mm. it was perfect and now we get to see Hameka do it and it's kind of funny because kagetsu had so many different retirement matches like so many <laughs> final matches and it's funny that Hameka will have one more match after her official retirement match yeah. very very much on kagetsu style and i very much appreciate that um but yeah, I mean they they they've rolled out the red carpet. We've seen Hameka have some of her best showings in mm. these few matches. Like it's not like she's turned the light off necessarily. Now some matches, you know, it's like whatever the house shows. But of like, course, the match with Julia, for example, those two went mm-hmm. out there and had like a mini world title match, which was mm. wild and again mm-hmm. on a house show. <laughs> yeah. um, then you know her and Tam Nakano in the Cinderella tournament, mm-hmm. as I brought up earlier, she got dropped on her poor head. Um, the, of course, Julie and Tam, who are you know feuding to destroy each other, had to destroy Hameka along the way. Tam um, was warming up for that. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, we we didn't get to see it. Spoiler, but you know, we got one more time between Mahime and ALK, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about a little bit later. Um, the the original, the big time match that they had for the titles. 
Um, she she got the road that she wanted. She got every match she wanted. They brought in Miyuki Takasi and Kekiro yep. Sekiguchi mm-hmm. for her because she wanted that. She got a match with Chihiro Hashimoto, yep. where again she almost broke her neck because she got <laughs> spiked on her head. She she laid out a road she wanted. They gave her every single match, one way or the other, in different scenarios. Right, the Risa Sarah match too, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's really special and really talks and explains who Hameka was to stardom and to this roster. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you've mentioned all these matches, and the crazy thing is that's not even all of the quote unquote retirement road no. matches she's having. You know, we've obviously got the Micah match at the end of the month at Grand Queendom. We've got her teaming with Micah versus Al K, as you mentioned. We got the uh Golden Generation match. We got a one-on-one match with Mina Shirakawa. We got a one-on-one match with Natsupoi. We got a one-on-one match with Ruaka. And these are all during kind of the weekend house shows where typically you get tag matches and maybe one low-card singles match. But she's getting all these big sort of single matches to say goodbye to all the people that were closest to her in her career. They're bringing in wrestlers who, in many cases, you didn't think would ever appear in a stardom ring, in Yuki Takase's case, coming in. And then, of course, as we said, like she's retiring with her match against Micah in stardom. But then less than a week later, Bushi Road and Pro Wrestling Wave are teaming up just for one event, just for Jung- uh, Jumbo Princess, the Jumbo Forever show at the uh, Shinki- Shinkiba face. No, Shinjuku face. I was getting confused between two it's of It's kind of funny that they're doing Shinjuku face for a retirement show. It's a nice little small venue. It's intimate. It's for Wave. And she's facing Sakura Hirota, which is, I think, going to be a very special little match. And then, of course, she's coming back the next month for the official retirement ceremony. We've joked in private. She saw what Keiji Muto did in his retirement run, and it just seems like she was inspired. The only thing she's missing is a second gimmick that she could have brought in just for these events. Um, but you're absolutely right. For someone who was only in the company for two and a half years, who wasn't a top champion, getting this kind of retirement road, this kind of run, either speaks to how generous they are as a company or how important Himika was to everyone in that locker room. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because like when Himika announced her retirement, a lot of the conversation was like, Everyone kind of started to be like, oh, my gosh, the Joshi retirements. It's been so long. We avoided them for so long. <laughs> and it it really does speak to, like, how important she was to stardom, how important she mm. was to the roster, but also how important she was to a lot of people's fandoms. Like, her retirement, and anyone that retires usually gets a big reaction, but, like, yeah. I remember hers being like really emphasized when she announced it. A lot of people were devastated. Maybe it's just because they can't hear the theme song anymore. Uh, (laughs) Maybe, maybe it's just because they love Hameka. But I think that's again what she was able to do in two and a half years. And I give a lot Mm. of credit to her start and run because that's where a lot of people learned to love her. Maybe they went back and watched Actress Girls and her stuff from there. That's fine. Good for you. But like at the end of the day, it is what she did in stardom, what she was able to do on camera as a mm-hmm. second in the singles, tags, trios, in the main events, in the opening matches, right? Like against Ruaka and against 
like right we we talked we highlighted her in Raka and then we highlighted her in the Duolden generation it's like two very different things but she able mm. she was able to really bring the best out of herself and others and uh I think she's Again, very important to Mina Shirakawa's growth as yeah. well because, you know, there was a lot of talk about Mina in the 2021 Five Star Grand Prix and then maybe she didn't live up to those expectations necessarily. Then she had a banger 2022 Five Star Grand Prix and kind of, you know, truly found herself. But in between that, you had matches with Himika, which kind of revealed that Five Star aspect again. Really, I'd argue before the 2022 Five Star Grand Prix, Himika was the person you got the best matches out of Mina with. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, you know, I think with Himika and and as she wraps up her career, it'll be interesting to see how stardom fills the gap mm. because it is a very big gap. Filled, you know, a jumbo gap. Jo- yes, <laughs> jokingly, but not so jokingly. Like mm. it's going to be a tough one to fill, and you know, timing-wise, they couldn't have had a better time to have a giant new rookie. Um, mm. For example, right, like Hanako walking in. Hanako's already shown like she has something there. She's been yeah. given a move from Hameka, you know, JP Costa. Right. So, like that is clearly a sign of like, oh, well, maybe she can help do that we don't know yet because not mm. still very new but yeah based off early early sites she has something there mm. um but you can't replace Hameka with one wrestler and no. i think i think it'll be interesting to see how the, what they do with ddm because mm-hmm. you know ddm has went through a lot of change and you know losing now or should i rephrase now only having two of the core five in DDM, yeah. that makes DDM not feel fully like DDM anymore. Mm. The weakest of being. Right. There was a limit. It was a limit. It's like, oh, sure he left. Okay. You know, we still got the four. Oh, not some point left. All right. We still got the three. Now it's like, oh, sure. You still have Julia and Micah and they're going to do their best, but mm. there, there's going to be someone that needs to fill that. Yeah, and then just her place on the roster. Now there's a lot of hosses, so I'm not too mm. worried about not having hoss fights. We're gonna we have, have a surplus of, of hoss. We've got your Amy Sarai, Yuna Mizumori's. Mariah doesn't have the height, but she's got the impact. You've got your Itami Hayashida. The hoss role can be filled, but Himika brought something there which none of those wrestlers individually can match. I should say Mike as well feels that role as well. Mm. Um, and I think that's where maybe a lot of eyes are on Hanako, even though she's a very young rookie. You know, you can't expect her to be doing what Himika was doing, but you get that pure size, that pure build, and potentially strength as well. Um, the, the Hoss is surplus, but, you know, you're not getting what you're getting with Himika. You're not getting the character work, maybe, that you got with Himika, the facial expressions. There's a very big gap there for someone who wasn't the focus of every story. Yeah, like, and I'll say this before we get to the matches and stuff like that and then kind of start to mm. close this down a little bit. But, you know, it's a lot of matches to talk about, so we're not we're not anywhere close to done. But with, with Himika, it's going to be like, okay, well, you have so many outside forces working with stardom now that it won't feel maybe immediate Mm. in her exit because you just have so much going on. But over time, you'll start to be like, oh, there's just something missing. There's something missing. And again, it'll come down to how they 
replace DDM? Who does Micah team with moving forward? Because you're never going to recapture what Mahime had. No. Um, and, we'll, and again, we will talk about that in a few minutes. But it's almost like because right, Julia has tag team partners. She's teamed mm-hmm. with Bold Mai and Tekla. They've all mm-hmm. have tag team. Micah doesn't have that now. Yeah, she could team with Tekla. Yeah, she could team with Mai. That's fine. That's just what factions do. But she's gonna need to find someone new, and I think that's part of the reason. You know, we've seen Mai Sakurai kind of get elevated a little bit recently and stuff like that because it's like well ddm needs something mm. after all this time but yeah that that's just like the one thing i want to talk about before we kind of get into the matches and stuff like that because at the end of the day what what are we going to remember the most about Jamaica? the matches it's always yeah. the matches yeah and i think probably the best match to start with is of all the we've alluded to a lot of her best matches but one match we didn't actually allude to but arguably maybe her best match ever was the February 4th tag match, her and Micah versus 7-Up for the Goddess of Stardom Tag Championships on the first show where Chang was allowed in three years. And you want to talk about, like, you know, popularity of wrestlers and popularity of teams. I think we all knew that My Himmer were a popular team. I don't think any of us realised how popular they were domestically until this night. This match is going to be the, like, forever-remembered match for Jamaica because, one, it was excellent, like you said, mm. arguably her greatest match. Um, but it's also the match where everyone was like, why didn't they win? Why didn't they win? And Jamaica told us why they didn't win a few yeah, uh, a week, week later. later. We yeah, we are like, oh, that sucks, mm. <laughs> right? It's like, why couldn't we just have gotten the rain? Um, but, yeah, I mean... And credit to what 7-Up was able to become as well as heels that only, mm. I think, helped bring out the best of Mahime. And, you know, Hameka's, I remember, when, you know, that match and Hameka, you know, going down with the knee injury and everyone thinking, oh, my gosh, she actually hurt. And, you know, Micah just doing absolute incredible work in there until Hameka was able to work herself back up. Mm. And then from there on out, it was the Hameka show and her just trying to survive and fight with that injured knee and you know somehow stop you and Nanai which is asking for a lot and yeah. in the end you know she did lose but she walked out as big a winner as anyone that night because of how over they were as a duo but also as singles you know mm. Amaka was getting cheered Micah was getting cheered it was a special night for them even if they lost and Maybe that's kind of a, again, a way to look at both of their careers so far. They have a lot of great moments despite not winning all the time. Yeah. yeah. But this was like the ultimate, like, Mahime might not only be the best tag team, but most popular tag team hmm. as well. Yeah, it's it was a testament to where they'd come from. And I think this match, too, does such a great job of highlighting Himika's ability to sell. Because you get a lot of bigger wrestlers, a lot of your, your giants, and obviously Himika is only five foot seven. She's not Omos or anything, um, but in the Stardom realm, she's yeah, she's the resident giant in a lot of ways. You don't often see him sell as well as Himika does. You know, when when she needs to make someone look good, she makes them look really good. You know, she's struggling to move with the knee; she's in pain. You know, she's 
feeling overwhelmed and again like one of the first things she noticed with Himika when she joined was the facial reactions and her ability to emote and I think this match really highlighted that because everyone believed like I think pretty much everyone believed she had legitimately injured herself in that match when she did the diving knee missed it crumpled to the floor yeah I, I it felt like the energy got sucked out of the arena and it certainly got sucked out of my room because I was like, oh, no. You know, they're finally getting this chance to showcase themselves. The crowd loves them and they're, they're ending it in an injury. And then, of course, she was able to come back and, you know, showed that it was a work, but it was just done to perfection. Yeah, we see that injury angle a lot in wrestling, um, but when you execute it well and the crowd are behind you enough, it really just, mwah, chef's kiss. It was, it was. and and. You know, to kind of pivot to what I think is the other match in question of what may be her best is a Mahime tag against ALK, Shuri, and Julia, mm-hmm. right? This this match is like, it's almost like a fever dream to think back to. <laughs> because, like, it, it was so confusing. This This whole entire card. Was a, mm. is a fever dream in a lot of ways because on one hand we have tag team titles main eventing a show where there is a world of stardom wonder like everything t- like was going on yet we're here watching these two teams main event mm. right Utami's facing was this B this was B right yes it was B B Priestley who retired not retired well retires um, leaves stardom <laughs> after her match and B Priestley ever- retired Blair Davenport right I, I just, well she hasn't wrestled so maybe she did retire um but like I remember seeing that and I was just like in a, in a shock one Priestley just had her, the best match of her career mm. and then she goes yeah I'm leaving and I'm like what <laughs> Hold on. Take, give me a second. What? And then and then we're like, oh wait, that wasn't the main event. That's right. Mm. Because again, we're not having the main event be the world title match. Again, not something that happens all that much. And I think this was at the peak kind of maybe dissension surrounding Julia, because not everyone jumped onto the Julia train straight away. There was a lot of anti-Julia sentiment and to a certain extent anti-DDM sentiment because of how strong they were booked and how strong they were made to appear. Julia finally dropped the Wonder of Stardom Championship to Tam Nakano just previously, and then here she is still main eventing a match, and it's all Donna Del Mondo in this match. And so I think a lot of people maybe had their you know, guard up a little bit. They maybe didn't want to like this match as much because of what happened. Um, but these four went out and, you know, we talk about inter-faction matches just going that extra bit hard. That's what they did right here. Yeah, they never stopped. Like, this no. is like... This is worthy of the main event. This was a very old-school match in that like it was like old school Joshi in that they just hit each other as hard as they possibly could with everything that they had and there was never like a moment to breathe Mm. it Mm. was unbelievable and I think you're right I think people picked to hate it because they didn't want to see it in the main event rather than just appreciate how great it was Um, because like I said this was a weird card and Mm. I'm looking at it now and I remember everything it's like, right, you had Fuki getting death 
um, who was Gokigan Death at the time, changed factions, um, which was like part of the weird Stars of Wado Tai thing that, of course, led to mm-hmm. Starlight Kid. Yeah, Tamnakama Natsupoi, which was excellent. I remember yeah. that vividly. Kind of will kick off to where we ended up with those two. Um, Tommy and B, like I said, and then mm-hmm. this. And it's like, all right, well, this was a great show, yet a lot of, again, like you said, it was all surrounding, well, Julia's back in the main event and this and that. It's like, all right, well, look at it as a match. It's one of the very best tag matches in startup history. That's what mm. this is. And I remember this again being like, oh, Mahime's great. Right? Because at this time, Hameka had come off the World of Stardom title match mm-hmm. against Utami, which I think a lot of people said, oh, maybe, you know, maybe Micah does have something. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that was big, big risk, obviously. And right, we get we get Hameka here, and it's like, well, it's not even about them in a lot of ways, unfortunately. It's about yeah. Julia and Shuri coming together. And ultimately, in the end, it was about that because they would win. Hmm. But it's still like just a fantastic match to look back on. This absolutely cemented the quality of my him because unfortunately, they didn't get the chance to cement that in their tag title run. They only had one defense after they beat B Priestley and Konami for the titles. Um, but it gave you a hint of what could be, and then this match really cemented it. Obviously, ALK was a fantastic team to go against to prove that. Um, but that kind of gave you an idea of why, not only why they got along so well, Mahime, but what was to come in terms of them as a team. And it was the pre- precursor in many ways to the 7-Up match that we talked about, which came two years later. Um, they're kind of the key tag matches that she's had. Um, we've talked a little bit about the singles matches. Um, is there any in particular you wanted to highlight? We talked about a lot of them. Um, mm. Like just just going through the conversation, obviously. Um, I, which one did I like a little bit? You know, especially because I think I think when it comes to Hameka, for me, it's like okay, what what showed her strengths the best, mm. and we. The one I had planned was the one with Mayu originally mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. that five star because mm-hmm. I thought again that was like the the change for her the 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 flip of the switch into oh I'm that you know I'm that great singles competitor now, um, but instead of that I think focusing again on the one with Micah for me is very important yeah because while it's not like. It's not one of the biggest matches in her careers in terms of stakes. Mm. It's one of the most important matches in her career in terms of just getting to go out there and in a lot of ways be Hameka, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Because her and Micah, as we've said this entire show, worked off each other so well. And, and now they're stepping into the ring. And listen, they they did not have an easy night, okay? I just want to point this out. <laughs> This this show had matches from start to finish that are some of the best matches in Stardom's history, hmm. let alone of the year. Right? You had Mayu and, 
You had Mayu and Kid earlier in the night. You had Momo and Hazuki earlier in the night. You had Julia and Suzu freaking Suzuki for the first time earlier in the night. And yet, this match still carried all the excitement. These two had no shot at winning this tournament. Yeah, by, so this, time this, by this point. And yet, we're sitting here, we're watching it. They're absolutely destroying each other. And it ends exactly how it should have, which is mm-hmm. no one winning. <laughs> right like just I think a draw was, because they beat each other up so much they couldn't this keep was going the first time that someone kicked out of the michinoku driver number two as well mm-hmm. to make it getting that kick out so i'm really excited to see them go head to head again that's yeah. this one last time um it'll be emotional it'll be a lot more emotional than it was this time around this mm-hmm. time around i was like oh let's go you know hot fight Ooh, gonna be a 10 minute sprint this upcoming one is going to be like the most emotional match of Hameka's career. We're getting the, the bell rings and they stare at each other for 10 seconds as tears begin to fall. We're getting yeah. that. Yeah, as your tears begin to fall in the arena. Oh, they'll be falling well before that moment. <laughs> when, she, when, yeah, when fire on Dan's floor hits, you're going to I can't do it. <laughs> that's like the second match on the show. Uh, <laughs> it's just that stacked. Yeah, um, like that. But I wanted to talk about that one just because, yeah, like, I'm it's so fond for me because mm. that show's so fond for me. Obviously, that's one of my yeah. favorite shows I've ever watched. Mm. But like, without that one, without that match, I don't know if it gets to that level. Yeah, it'd be missing something, yeah. Um, I, th- I think like the, the best thing about that match, too, is if someone's listening to this and they've never seen Himika wrestle, and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm curious about her, that's the match to go to. A, because it's amazing, B, because it's got that Mahima connection, and C, because they pack so much in so short a time. You know, the big danger in these situations, oh, I want to get into a wrestler, what match do you recommend? If you throw them a 30-minute classic, that can be difficult to get you in from the first moment. But this is that classic, you've got 10 minutes, go out there and steal the show. They go out there and just go hard at each other. It's the Ishii Shibata from the G1 Climax kind of match, mm. where it's just go out there, bang, get everyone on board, and then finish it strong. Um, I guess the the last singles match I would want to bring up, unless you've got one hiding that you want to talk about as well. Obviously, this has a little bit of bias, but going back to 2020, the match she had with Jungle Kiona. And I know you're rolling your eyes. Of course, I'm mentioning Jungle Kiona. But I think you look at where both wrestlers were at at this stage. Jungle had done a lot to legitimize Utami Hayashishida in terms of, you know, very first match Utami had in Sardom was against Jungle, and that draw instantly characterized how good Utami could be, and we saw what she became. And again, you saw Jungle going up against Timika, another Hoss versus Hoss kind of battle with a young upstart rookie. And it really showcased where Himika could go as well. I think this is one of the best matches she had before the 2021 five-star Grand Prix. Uh, went to another draw, but it was just executed so well, played to everyone's strengths, and Himika came out looking like a million bucks. She had some some of those moments in the five-star Grand Prix, but in terms of just in-ring ability, um, this is one of those matches where it's like, oh, there is definitely something here, you know. There's a reason why she's getting the initial push that she did. So that's really the other match I wanted to highlight beyond the key ones that we've already mentioned. Yeah, no, I I think it's important to highlight, you know, stuff from 2020 because otherwise it's forgotten, Mm. right? Um, 
one match I do want to bring up. Oh, even well, I don't think we even discussed this prior. Um, is the match where Mahime dropped the titles at Flashing Champions against Oedo Tai, mm-hmm. yeah. Mowatanabe, Saki Kashima, and Starlight Kid? Because one, Flashing Champions up until the five star Grand Prix for me was the stardom show of the year. That mm-hmm. show was phenomenal, and a lot of that had to do with this match, yeah, because this match. It was third. It was third to the top. It was only before the Wonder and World, um, which were both great, were mm. both, both great matches in their own right. But this match, I thought, set the tone for what was like the best of artist matches. Yeah. And it's not maybe it's not the best, but it sets the tone of like what to expect because you know we we got very quickly how great that Oedo Tai Trio was. But again, like Mahime's poise greatness to the very end hmm. um, of that reign. And it's, I don't know if it was the last time they ended up teaming together as a trio. Maybe the second time. If it wasn't, it was the last important one because yeah. the loss here kind of was one of the catalysts to Natsupoy eventually leaving Donna Del Mondo. Right. So I think that, that importantly as well, but it's like, they just all matched up so well in that match, which is interesting because you have two kind of Haas fighters. Mm-hmm. Mo Watanabe's not a Haas. She hits hard. Yeah. He's not a Haas, right? And you have Starlight Kid, who's obviously a high-speed wrestler, and she links up with Poi. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Saki Kashima aspect of things, who she's she's just so good at filling in against whoever that it's like, it's why this match works so well. And I, I just wanted to bring that one up because it's one of my favorite matches that Hameka happens to be. And I mean, she had a mm. great showing obviously, but that was a six person effort to make yeah. that great. Yeah. And that's, that was the key to those artist runs and the, what we've seen moving forward is all six wrestlers in the match have to step up and bring it to that next level because look, stardom do tend to run into with their tag and trios matches, a bit of a formula where half the match is essentially a singles match with everyone running in, running interference, hitting a move, going back outside the ring. So to make it really stand out, everyone's got to play their role to perfection. And this match is one of those examples of that. Absolutely. Um, Do you have another match? There, I, I mean, the other key matches, I think, with Himika we've already kind of brought up, like the match yeah. with Julia, both in, uh, the really both of them, like the five-star Grand Prix match that they had in 2020, kind of announced everyone, you know, Himika is here and she's going to be important. And then that white belt match was kind of important in not only the, the build-up kind of establishing the kind of character she was where, you know, she came in and essentially challenged the structure of Donna Del Mondo. And then had to get humbled a bit by Julia in the end, but that was that story was so important to what Himika would become as a character. I think they're very important. And then, yeah, like the Mika match obviously is important. The two championship matches in 2021, I think, are very important to go back and look at. So they're the ones that come to mind for me, anyways. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right, and I think there's a lot of singles matches you can hit that like maybe weren't like. Again, that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. With last year was maybe Stardom's greatest in-ring year, mm. and Hameka had a lot of great matches. Maybe they don't fall in the top ten, but they were just so many scattered throughout the year. Yeah, that's easy to point to. I mean, talk about the ladder match, for example. That ladder match is 
obviously one that's overlooked for various <laughs> reasons from that show. Um, you know, that, that is the show that uh, Momo Watanabe turned on Queen's Quest and left. So it's hard. I think it's hard for people to remember that. Hmm. But at the same time, it was a great match. It was, it was a great was, ladder match. It was a Himika heavy in a lot of ways because the story coming into that match was her and Natsupoi. And, you know, the match was never meant to be for the tag title, for the artist titles. It was just the, the money match. It was, you know, everyone, Mayu tried to get everyone to put in money and everyone kind of went, no, we're not making the kind of money you are, Mayu. Um, but then Himika just randomly said, we're going to put the titles on the line. And it tested the friendship. It tested the team. Um, but it was eventually the story was Himika literally dragging that to play up that ladder so that she could get the moment. And in many ways, that kind of cements Himika's entire career in stardom was she didn't necessarily seek the spotlight. She was always looking to emphasize and highlight someone else, whether it be yeah. in the tag team with my Hima, singles matches, you know, making other people look good, or in this case here, going to Natsupoi, you take that briefcase down. Yeah, I, re- I just remember her, like, clearing the ring mm. of everyone in the end and then getting Poi up there to get it. I mean, that was the first ladder match, and it was just, it was great. It really was. It was really great because when you have a first ladder match, you don't know how they're going to utilize the ladder. Mm-hmm. We got a Mayu moonsault from a ladder that was closed. Yeah. We got the Koguma dive onto everyone. And like and like we talked about, we had the moment between Hameka and Natsupoi, but it, mm-hmm. getting there was Hameka cleaning out the ring yeah. and getting to that moment. So I thought that was an important one to highlight because it will be forgotten, mm-hmm. I think, by a lot, um, but not by us because that's why we're here. But Yeah, we're, we're here to remind you guys, um, and that's what Stardom Road's all about, whether you were watching live as it happened and you got to experience it or whether you're coming in after the fact looking to learn more about the wrestlers more about the shows more about the titles more about the history of stardom we want to provide that avenue for someone to go okay this is what i need to know about x or y or z so if you never got to see him if you listen listening to to this in like 2024 you've just got into stardom and mike is crying because she still hasn't found a new tag partner this is the person that you know broke her heart now i'll ask you before we, i'm going to ask you two questions before we wrap this up first yep. one what is your favorite to make a match personal <sighs> favorite gotta pick one if i have to pick one i think ultimately it's the himika versus micah match from the five-star grand prix i'd probably lean towards until the you see the last one better hmm yeah until yeah, you see uh, the final one until i see the very version. last one um because obviously that <laughs> will have different connotations but like to me it it encompasses everything i love about himika and everything i love about my him even though they're not actually teaming together i think i think i think that's perfect i i wouldn't be shocked if that's everyone's <laughs> like because yeah. it does embody everything that himika's career was in a lot of mm-hmm. ways um and then my last question for you as we wrap this up I think it was one of your favorites, not yes. only not only in Stardom, but one of your favorites of all time. That's just the mm-hmm. truth. You you became a massive fan of hers, and I got my fair share of jokes out of the way. <laughs> That's what I do, um, but like with her retiring, are you happy with what she was able to accomplish? 
is there anything along the way you wish she could have done right just assuming in your head this was the road always mm. that's mm. kind of what she highlights she said five years i'm in and out i'm good yeah so that's kind of so like is there anything in that time you wish she could have done obviously win a title whatever but like matches you wish she could have had stuff like that and of course yeah. finish it off by saying how did she impact you as a fan as well yeah so there's there's two things I would probably have changed with Himika's two and a half year run with Stardom and it's not actually give her a singles title because in hindsight hearing her talk about the situation um Clearly, she didn't feel like she was at that point where she could handle the pressure. And that's very important when looking at one of the reasons she gave for her retirement was the online world with the bullying and the situations that came from there. She was one of the first wrestlers in the stardom community to pretty much cut off comments from her uh, Twitter posts. And like it was clear that that affected her. So in hindsight, knowing that, I'm kind of glad she didn't have to deal with that added pressure of a singles championship. One, I would have liked to have seen my Hima either get a second title reign or a longer first reign, mm. just because like because that team is so important. When you look at the history of the the Goddess of Southern titles, they are just a footnote, even though they were so good together. And the other thing I wish was that we got to see the Natsupoi story unfold properly. Yeah, you know, we saw them go, go at odds with each other, reconcile during the ladder match. And then when Natsupoi eventually left them to join Cosmic Angels, Himika was obviously one of the ones most affected. And the way they talked, it kind of felt like there's a lot of money on the table here for Natsupoi either going through Donna Del Mondo or at the very least Himika. But we never got that. Now, whether that was because they didn't have time to execute it properly or whether Sardom were just worried about bringing together um, Meltier, I'm not sure what the full reasoning behind that was, but that's a sort of a glaring hole in what could have been a very fascinating match. Obviously, they got to have a one-on-one -on -one match during the retirement road, but it's a very different situation because of the retirement. There's a little bit more of the, you know, outside of kayfabe aspect there. So I would have liked to have seen a proper pissed-off Himika versus Cosmic Angels Natsupoi. What she meant for me as a wrestler, she just kind of in so many ways embodied what I look for in kind of a favourite wrestler. She's a hoss. She hits hard. She's got a great look, but she's so good at the little things in the character work. And, you know, obviously I like seeing her in the big matches and stuff where she truly gets to shine, but you can have her in a random eight-person tag match. And the little things she does in those matches stand out, whether it's the heavy-hitting lariats, whether it's the facial emoting, whether it's just the way she carries herself at ringside. Like, there's so much there which just spoke to me. Like, the moment she stepped into stardom, I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is someone I'm going to get behind. And seeing her grow as a wrestler and become what she did become kind of ticked all those boxes in what I saw in her back in June of 2020. Well. Well said. That really kind of is the end. To, unless you have something else to say or something else to ask or something else to bring up. If you ever see a fire on the dance floor, don't put it out. <laughs> and that's how we end the episode about Habeka. Hour and a half. I think that's pretty good for someone who, uh, you know, two and a half years. Mm. Couple good matches here and there, you know, like we brought up. <laughs> we highlighted pretty much every major match she ever had. I think we did yeah. a pretty good job with that. Um, but of course, thank you everyone for listening. Trent's gonna get to see that retirement match, of course, live and in person. 
yeah. um, which is also very exciting. We'll be able to talk about that on our other show, the yes. Ocean Cyclone Show, if you want to hear about Trent's journey. I mean, you can follow him on Twitter to see that too, but mm. uh, I think it would be more exciting to hear the first hands, and that will be over on there at the kickoff. This show is not for that kind of thing. Right. Um, when we come back in a fortnight's time for Ocean, uh, for the Sardom Road, we're not touching on that. We've got a different topic, a, a more important topic, if we're being honest. But, yeah, if you want to follow my road, my Stardom Road for the next <laughs> couple of weeks, yeah, it'll be on Twitter and it'll be, yeah, on the Discord for the Wrestling Discord. And, yeah, check out the Ocean Cyclone show where I'll regale and try and make Scott jealous. Yep. Um, if you if you're listening to this and you're listening to this maybe before All Star Grand Queendom, just enjoy it, folks. Yeah. Like this, this is a potential once in a lifetime type card. Like I can't express that enough. You're getting this retirement match featuring Jamaica and Micah, and that isn't even sniffing the important match. <laughs> that is just that is just like a cherry on top of mm. the gigantic sunday that is this show like it is dream slam it is its own thing right we're having we get dream matches we get blood feuds literally yeah. we get possibly the end of a journey an improbable journey for a specific wrestler mm -hmm. we get the uh Kyrie Natsupo and Sayori and new together again because why yeah. not get Shuri and Chihiro Hashimoto you get, you get the point. You get the yeah. point. I'm not going to go through the whole card, but you get the point. Enjoy that show if you haven't. And if you, or enjoy it, enjoy that show if you're going into it like for some reason with any other mind besides this is going to be made. Like I'm looking at the show not as a show of the year contender. I'm looking at the show as a potential historic all timer show because that's what mm. it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so enjoy it. Yokohama Arena, April 23rd. If you have, if this is after the fact, it's already happened. Go back and watch it. Go back yeah. and watch it. Why not? Yeah. It's going to be on Stardom World if you listen to this after the fact. Go back and watch it. Um, we'll do our plugs, and then I'll introduce the next topic, and then we'll call it a day. So, mm -hmm. Trent, plugs. Yep. So, of all the times to be plugging my Twitter, this is the time. Go follow me at 1UpCulture. Follow my journey across Japan. You know, be vicariously live through me for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I have to, so everyone else should. <laughs> um, you can follow me at Scotty Wrestling on Twitter. I don't know what I have coming out, um, but I had an interview with Kyra. You can probably check that out. I mean, mm -hmm. she said stuff. She's cool. Um, yeah, that's about it. Check out the Ocean Cyclone show. Check out the Five Star Joshi show. Uh, I'll be reviewing that, sh the, the, the big star and pay-per-view on there sometime if you've already listened to this. I probably had, some, hopefully, had some comment uh, uh, content by the time you heard this in many months or years, but couldn't tell you. Uh, but what I'm here to do now is introduce our next topic. Um, and you know, we had a very, you know, we're, we're celebrating a retirement, and I think we had a very uppity show. Well, the next topic is a three-part series on the life and career of Hanukkah. Yeah, it's. Uh, there isn't a better time to do it than now, right? On on sadly the um you know, we're nearing the anniversary of her passing and, mm -hmm. and May May has really become the month of Hana in a lot yeah. of ways. It's 
it's a way to celebrate her. And for us, we thought, okay, well, I've done multiple shows to celebrate Hannah's life in the past. This is how I'm doing it this year. Mm. Three parts talking about her time with a way to tie outside of stardom, you know, her, her life, you know, growing up daughter of Kyoko Kamara, for example, the incredible run she had with Tokyo cyber squad or five-star grand prix. Of course, her unfortunate passing, her greatest matches, the memorial shows in her honor. We're mm. we're gonna hit everything. We're gonna hit the newest in, in, uh, memorial show too. We're having the last episode of the series come out after May twenty third specifically, so we could talk about Pink's, mm-hmm. which is another big show in her honor. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a heavy topic. It's something that both me and Trent have covered before. So we're, and you know, the, the further we get away, it's never going to get easier. No. But as I always like to say, when talking about Hana, we have to talk about her. That's how we remember her. That's mm. how we celebrate her and what she was able to do in her life. Um, we we always want to highlight why she meant so much to so many people, because unfortunately, like her name kind of gets thrown around a little bit as a, you know, a warning sign as to what can happen in terms of the online realm, um, which obviously, like, it's important that we don't see history repeat itself in that respect. But I think what gets lost when doing that is, you know, her impact on wrestling, her impact in stardom, and the impact on all of her fans, of yeah. which there are so many across not just stardom, not just Japan, but all across the world. Yeah, she she was the breakthrough for a lot of people into mm. stardom. Um, and I think I think we'll try our best to kind of highlight that. And everything that was, like I said, the life and career of Hanukkah, the best we can in three episodes. Yeah. You know, there's, everyone has their own different thoughts and different memories and stuff like that. We're going to do our best to bring it all together. So that'll be our next three episodes. Keep an eye out for those. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, go back into the history as well. We've talked a lot about a lot of people, a lot of wrestlers, a lot of moments, a lot of shows. Riso Shiki, we have a three part series for her. You can go check out. Um, you know, we're coming up on the eve of her retirement, unfortunately, mm-hmm. as well. May's a tough month. Um, but <laughs> you know, if you want to, if you want to hear about Risa Shiki and kind of what she was able to do in her career, do that. Um, that we have so much. That's what the Stardom Road is all about. It's all mm. about the past, present, and future of this great company, this great promotion. Uh, I look forward to the days that we will talk about the shows that happen. Say All Star Grand Queen. I'll <laughs> do an entire show in like I don't know how long this show is going to last, but you get yeah. the point. It's a big yeah. deal. A lot of nobody big knows how long this highway is. No, no. If it's like the Tamro, it's never ending. Anyways, I wrap it up here. For, for Trent, I'm Scott. This was the Stardom Road on the Countout Network. We'll see you next time for the Hana Kimura three-part series. This has been a Countout Podcast. Hey, have you guys heard of the new show on the Countout Network, the Ichiban Sweetcast? It's the brand new New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast starring the International Wrestling Grand Prix. That's me, your good friend, Curtis Spears. And me, your bad friend, Rafe Houston. And we're here to talk about everything New Japan Pro Wrestling, 
reacting to everything, getting worked up, getting very happy, sometimes crying, kind of like like something else we used to do, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was the old uh, Okada Shorts podcast, right? Ah, that's right. And if you love that show, you're going to love this show because it's exactly the same show. Yeah, we just had to change the name. Yeah, we, we did. But you can check it everywhere on a social media handle that we haven't made yet. <laughs> yeah, we're really new to this. So <laughs> what you can do is search on your favorite podcast catcher of choice. Look for the Ichiban Sweetcast. Sweetcast, Ichiban.